Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by Natalie and Aaron met on CatholicSingles.com after they realized that they needed to find someone who shared their faith. Meet other faithful Catholics on the original Catholic dating site. Download our app today for free. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app/breadbox. Welcome to Liturgy Live for the second Sunday in Lent. My name is Alana Berg, and with me as always is Father Ian Van Heusen. How are you doing, Father? Doing well. I'm, I'm good to see you, Alana. Also, we should mention, let me get a little shot here. Tim is here today. Welcome, Tim. There's Tim. <laughs> so we'll, we'll actually do some spinoff content with Art of Living Well um, based off of today's, because he's in town because we're filming the seminarians we have the, the 22 seminarians. Please pray for them. We're doing evangelization today and tomorrow. So Tim is with me today. Typically, he's not with me on a Monday. Um, but it was interesting. As Alana is sharing and passing all this stuff around, um, we had, I had an insight today, and I, I, it does tie in with the gospel um, a little bit. I, I'm, right now, I'm seeing everything through the lens of fasting because I'm, I'm in the middle of a 10-day fast. I'm on day six. Got four more days. Um, and I'm kind of feeling hungry, but also sometimes you feel euphoria. It's kind of hard to explain. Um, but I definitely have a lot of energy. I'm still walking my dog every day. And so I've walked like three or four miles today already. But one of the things I was talking with a lot about, and the first year, I hope she wasn't completely offended. I said, for the first year of doing liturgy live, I did not look forward to doing this every Monday. Um, and I, like around one, two o'clock, I'm like, man, I wish I just had some free time. I wish I could just take a nap. I don't want to do this. And then, but I would push through it. I, I, every week I'd push through it. Um, and, and I've, I found that, that routinely, routinely pushing yourself and stretching yourself is incredibly important. It's something that I've come to believe in that I, I believe that we all need to do on a regular basis. We need to stretch ourselves. And that's kind of the spirit of Lent going one step further. So even today we see the transfiguration. And if you know anything about the transfiguration, almost immediately after the transfiguration, one of the fascinating things is that Peter denies Christ. Not denies Christ. He, 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 he goes against the cross immediately after the transfiguration. It's like he wants to stay on that mountaintop. He's like, why, why can't we stay here? And that's in today's gospel as well. In one interpretation, he's like, let's build some booze. Let's stay here. This is awesome. Like, and, and whenever we experience consolation, contemplation, a lot of times we want to stay there. We don't, we don't want to go back to the cross. We don't like the cross. Um, but it's, it's a cycle. We got to always push through things, you know, got to find the sweet spot of discomfort. That's right. And, and I just assumed that you were just giving me the sweet spot of discomfort because when you texted me that right before, before we started, I was like, are you breaking up with me over text for literally like what is happening? <laughs> it's like, and, and, I was like, and they're like, no, this is, we're just going to talk about this, this topic of like, enjoying something that you do but right before you do it you just like don't want to yeah <laughs> you know well, like and sometimes like you, you just talk about ex yeah yeah well you you were talking about exercise right is a classic one like you always feel good afterwards right but right but you, you don't want to do it right um it's, it's, the, it's incredibly the approach 
it's that approach of the mountain sometimes. But once yeah. you get to the top of the mountain and you have that mountaintop experience, then you don't necessarily want to leave to go to the cross, right? And then just kind yeah. of a process. But every week, I get the I have a hardest time when when we don't go live and I prepare. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, I just spent two an hour and a half, two hours like prepping for this, and then like we have technical difficulties. I'm like, no. So <laughs> that's when I have a hard time. I mean, when that first year, I was like, oh, I'm gonna take a nap. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I just, I'm just cranky right now, and I want to go take a nap. But we're live. <laughs> but yeah, we're almost. So we're we're closing up our second year of going live almost every week. So in June will be the actual will actually be three years. It'll be three. Uh, the starting the third year. Starting the third year. Yeah. Cool. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. Um, Let's. Uh, do you, are you ready for the first reading? Let's get in the first reading, yeah. Actually, wait. Me too. Team's uh, over there. <laughs> we, have two, we have two comments. Ryan Fisher says, oh, wow, such a pleasant surprise to see you all didn't know with all Father's guests if he would have time for us. God is good. I also had to double check because I saw that he was super busy. <laughs> I know, um, I got the 22 submit. Yeah, I was like, are we having guests? Are you bringing people on? No? Okay. It, it is the freakiest thing, though, today. Because I should not be as energetic as I am. I literally only slept like three hours last night because the dog has stomach problems again. Oh, no. And so he, I, I, was walk, I walked him at midnight. Then he got me up at three in the morning. And then I got a couple hours of sleep for five. So I, like, I slept oh, my goodness. 10 to 12, 12 to three, and then three, three to, yeah. to five. But it no. was strange. I don't feel tired at all. That's great. And Josh Dixon says, good afternoon. And Ryan says, are we going to have a liturgy live birthday party? Sure, we can have a live stream. We'll do a live stream birthday party. <laughs> In June, though, guys. Like we got is, is that when we started? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Right around, just right before we went to family camp. So it's in June. Yeah, which makes sense. That's like probably the, the one time of the year that I start most things or I get the most ideas because I was just fresh off of vacations. Yep. So we you're have- uh, Arrested. Yeah. yeah. But um, we have one more. People keep commenting. Uh, Josh Dixon says, I love this topic. Every Sunday I have an emotional block of not wanting or feeling unworthy to teach youth group. But when mass starts at 5 p.m. till it all goes away and youth group ap- afterwards is great. So, yeah, the approach of that, that yeah. mountain, the, the climb is mentally, it's really hard. Yeah, I think I got my angle for this week's homily, you know. Like, and, and, and that's the, that, and that's part of what fasting teaches us, right? Cause there's a block mm-hmm. when you're hungry, you know? Yeah. So let's yeah. start with uh, the first reading, which is from Genesis. Yep. <laughs> the Lord said to Abram, go forth from the land of your kinsfolk and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the communities of the earth shall find blessing in you. Abram went as the Lord directed him. So this is the beginning, the very, very first time we see Abram slash Abraham in Mm. Genesis. This is after Noah. This is after the fall of Babel. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we go, it goes through a generational from Shem to Abram. And then this is what happens. God, the Lord calls Abram and yeah. gives him this, these promises. Yeah. So, so you know, uh, one thing I want to bring up uh, in connection with this. So it, he's being called to leave his homeland. He's being called to, to go forth um, and uh, to travel, to kind of set out into the unknown. And it's a fascinating dynamic. I, I had a fascinating experience this last Sunday with the 22 seminarians in the congregation at ECU Newman, uh, it was fascinating that um, all the dynamics changed. Like um, suddenly, so whenever I preach normally at Newman, I get like at the 7 p.m. mass, I can get some chuckles, I get some feedback. It's a little, it's not completely like interactive, but it's a little bit, right? Because people are kind of comfortable. They're in a comfortable space. But with all of the new people there, it was suddenly like a completely different, congregation 
And it's weird, like congregations give off vibes. It's hard to explain, but like I have at the 5 p.m. and the 7 p.m. here, I'm really like, I feel really connected to the people. Like on a typical Sunday, I'm really relaxed when I'm preaching. I, te- I, tend, to, I tend to be a little bit funnier um, because like I'm actually, I know the people pretty well. But this last Sunday at ECU Newman, it felt like it was a whole new congregation. And like, and just even seminarians are also very stoic. They're famous for that. I don't know if you've encountered that. Seminarians are generally famous for being stoic and during mass, they no reaction. Yeah. All game face. <laughs> um, but and a lot of younger priests too. But um, um, I got to turn my phone off. But the, um, but it's interesting because it's, it's almost like life is a movement through between that comfort and that familiarity and then setting out to the unknown and being uncomfortable. And it's kind of a play between, I mean, you need both of those things. Like, it, you, yes, you should strive to make yourself uncomfortable as possible, but you do need to have people like you can let your guard down with that you can be around and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So, but, so yeah. do you feel like, I don't know, I'm just trying to bring it back to, going forth from the land of your kinfolk do you think because when it when it changes when the when the dynamics change that that you're you are completely different do you preach differently is that kind of what oh yeah i mean i don't i i I would be curious like i'm gonna see my homily i'm gonna gonna look at it um yeah my preaching changed i mean my preaching this is one of my concerns for my next assignment is for the past year I have been really, really comfortable with the 5 p.m. and the 7 p.m. mass. And that's typically the, the homily. And the homily I'm generally the most happy with is my 5 p.m. at St. Peter's. Mm-hmm. Like, and the 7 p.m. here at ECU Newman. Um, those are the two homilies that I, I enjoy the most. It generally tends to be the one we record. Um, the other masses, I don't feel that clicking and that simpatico. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really like I really feel like a simpatico. Yeah. Um, Cause I also know at that 5 PM there's like, there's a whole bunch of people that are excited to hear the homily. Like they right. don't Yeah. And do you feel like since you were fasting last week and continuing to, do you feel like that changed? So there was, was there a, a two dynamics, like a different audience and you were fasting. So it felt different. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that always factors in. I mean, there's always m- multiple factors. Not mm-hmm. so much though. Uh, I'm always pretty, gassed up like for the 5 p.m. and the 7 p.m. Like even yesterday I was pretty jazzed up. That's like good. um yeah. Um so I was yeah I get I get like these these weeks I get pretty excited. I mean for my first year my whole problem was was I was so excited after the 7 p.m. mass I couldn't get to bed till like one o'clock. Because mm-hmm. my I would just be so excited the ideas were turning and stuff like that. Gotcha. So in this reading yeah. There's multiple promises. Yeah. And he was already married to Sarai during this time. If in the in the chapter before this one in Genesis where they talked about his father bringing him out of Ur, um he talked about already being married to Sarai and them already not having um being sterile. So it's really interesting. So that he already knew that. And in this particular portion, he doesn't question. He just went as the Lord directed him. Yeah. And so then this is a great, here's a great, here's a great Jordan Peterson moment. So using the, the Jungian stuff, but it's really not Jungian. Actually the church fathers would see this. There's a sense that Abraham was going to be sterile until he stepped outside of his comfort zone. Mm. Like, or his wife was going to be sterile. That they weren't gonna like you're you're not gonna bear fruit until you step outside of your comfort zone, taken as an archetypal pattern. Huh. Um, you gotta. There's a sense that you gotta you gotta set there's, out on your own. You gotta, you gotta make the journey. You gotta make the quest. You gotta. I mean, and, and it's the classic. I mean, this is the classic hero story too, right? The hero has to go out on a journey. They have to they have to step right. outside of themselves. But there was still more waiting after he made the journey. You yeah. Know? There, well, I mean, it makes sense. The rest of his life, he's wandering. So he goes down to the Holy Land, then he goes to Egypt, then he goes. He's at mm-hmm. this point, he becomes a, a. My father was a wandering Ar- Armenian. Ar- right. Yeah. Ar- Ar- what has it? What's the Ar- Ar- 
it's a reference to Abraham. The, it's in know. the, it's in the, it's in the book. It's in the Torah. Say to yourself, my father was a wandering. I don't know. Ar- Somebody fact check us. Yeah. Ar- Armenian. It's not Armenian, but it's like Ar- huh. Aramean or something. Aramean. Um, uh, okay. Um, but so, this, but, but that yeah. was the idea. That was the idea that, um, in that phrase, if I'm correct, Moses was implying to always be in touch with your roots, not to be settled. Like your homeland is not this world. Your homeland is not. Now they, they, as often has been pointed out, there's not an explicit idea of heaven in, in the, the Torah. Um, heaven and hell are not quite as explicitly in the Torah. Um, that's something that later scholars point out because the Sadducees, I don't know if you're familiar with this, the Sadducees deny the resurrection and they deny heaven and hell um, because based on just the Torah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but there is definitely a sense of like that, that not to be settled, not to, yeah, to recognize your roots, your, your wandering roots, your, and right. I think, and I think it, I think it has a, pr- a prototype or an archetype of the idea that, I mean, I think this is always a good challenge. Like right now, if you're in a good, comfortable place, now's the time to meditate on some way to extend yourself. Um, I think that's, that's the lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the Lord's calling you, go. Exactly. And, and I, I know we talked about it this last week a little bit, and it's a little bit, you know, people don't want to hear it. But a lot of this, especially in Lent, a lot of it is about obedience to the Lord. Yeah. Obedience, and then from obedience, then he will show you the way and the plan. Yeah. And sometimes we ju- he just needs us to say, yes, I will go, and then he will show us the way. But we have to trust that first. And if we have questions, it's not questions out of doubt, but it's mm-hmm. questions out of, like, just wondering. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say right now we could define obedience as – attaching your decisions to a principle that's deeper than your sense pleasure and your immediate gratification. Right. Yeah. So and if it, you it discern, means to listen, yeah, but I mean, but, but I'm saying is, is like, so if you feel called to do something, being willing to be uncomfortable in the midst of that or being mm-hmm. willing, cause that's the, the part that people struggle with, with obedience. Right. I mean, if, if God asks you to do something or an authority asks you to do something that you enjoy, like, um, you know, I command you to eat chocolate today. Oh, <laughs> yeah. wow. That's yeah. really tough. Yeah. Oh, yeah and actually sure we'll get, that's a, that's really great. Cause the, we'll be talking about in the second reading, which we should get to in a few minutes, but, yeah. um, Oh dang, we're already at 23 minutes. I, well, we started a few minutes late because of the schedule issue. Um, but when it comes to like obedience and knowing as it is to listen, to the mm-hmm. Lord, like, and not just you just hear him, but like you listen and you, then you follow through on what he says. And that really goes into also like the Shema prayer here. O Israel, like, yeah, know that I am the Lord. Um, so I really think that that's really important, like a really grounding thing for us to like contemplate and really be, and think like, okay, the Lord called Abram. He listened and obeyed and he went as the Lord directed him. And that's what obedience in this really simplistic form means. But it's really like the smallest thing can be the biggest. Yeah. Right. Because like his smallest act makes him such a, one of the biggest people in our, his, you know, our faith history. So, so it's really, it's not always about doing one. Like we look at the mountain and it's really about the steps that you get there and not like we don't just, fly to the top of the mountain. You know what I mean? It's yeah. really those steps of faith to get. Well, you know, it's, a, it's actually interesting. I hate to quote this guy a little bit, but he's a completely secular source, but he's a digital marketing guy. Um, Gary V new, new uh, spot. I, uh, me and Tim, we, we, we model a lot of how we do content off of him, including the, having the second camera here and stuff like that. And um, ideas that he, he, he kind of introduced to us, but he talked about he, one of his big things he's talking about lately is, enjoying the process versus the reward. Mm. And that if you're somebody who enjoys the process versus the reward, it's much more fulfilling. Whereas the reward, and there's the classic examples that like huge competitors, like a half hour after they win the championship, they're, they're unsatisfied again. You know? Um, Yeah. It's like, it's like um, the reward is only there for a short time. Right. Um, And you never know what's going to be fruitful. Yeah. 
yeah. If you don't know what's going to be fruitful, then it's going to be harder. Yeah. If you if the th- you go through all this and then there's no reward that you're looking through, but if if the fruit is for you is the process, and then if you if there are other fruit in the future or for other people, then that's extra great, you know. But Absolutely. if and the process of doing this is exactly, and I would say this generally in the in in contemplation, you don't learn from contemplation; you learn from overcoming the desolation before the contemplation. I, I, I've almost every now, I have the mentality that every desolation is like a little Rubik's cube. Is it a Rubik's cube? Uh, yeah. Like the little puzzle. Yeah. Like you got to like sort your way through it. And when you navigate your way through the desolation and you come to that, you find that release. And actually the, this is a very scriptural notion. Uh, St. Paul says with every trial, God provides the way out. Um, I, I got to look up the passage. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely very clearly in there. And that idea is actually huge because with every desolation, if you can find the way out, if you can find, and sometimes it's like you have to change your thinking, you have to pray with the breath, you have to let go of your thinking. Like there's, I've, mm-hmm. I've never found, I found it's like you always have to have many strategies on how to overcome that desolation. But that's where you learn is overcoming the desolation. When you come back to the contemplation or the consolation, or if it's just a consolation, or if you come to contemplation, you don't learn anything from that. It feels great. You're, it's awesome. You love it. You're mm-hmm. up on the mountaintop. You're like Peter. You're like. So I think you do learn something from it, but not in the way that you are saying learn. You yeah. learn that it's possible to reach it again. Yeah. That, that desolation will end, even though if it doesn't feel like it's going to end. So yeah. you learn that there is a stage and it's possible, not necessarily that you gain wisdom, but you learn yeah. that you won't be in desolation forever. Well, it is wisdom itself. I mean, contemplation is often tied with wisdom um, and the ineffable quality of wisdom is tied with contemplation and the stillness. So I guess it does teach you kind of invisibly. Actually, that's not true. So there is a lesson. <laughs> so, okay, so I'm like, mm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm trying to, we're trying to, arti- this is why conversation is great. Cause then we learn how to articulate really kind of what yeah. we think. And, and, um, this is why it's important to have conversations Oh, absolutely. Uh, about these. I mean, and, and, and I feel like I haven't had outside of my sister and a, actually a few priest friends. It's hard to have this conversation in general. Yeah. I mean, I don't get to the point of having this conversation with most people, yeah. but, um, actually outside of spiritual direction these days, I have like a handful of people that I think I've been doing spiritual direction with for like three years. And, and now we're kind of having these conversations. Like, yeah. um, yeah. Well, but it takes the time because these types of conversations, like we've been talking for almost two years, you yeah. know what I mean? Live. <laughs> so we've been having our live spiritual direction and yeah. <laughs> not real spiritual direction, but it's, you know, we've been growing oh, cool. together as friends <laughs> and so disagreeing not- and agreeing and just yeah. growing and talking you know, talking and this is how, this is how friendships grow in like spiritual friendships grow is that you, you go back and forth and you see, is this the truth? Is not the truth? This is great. So this is why I love this doing this. Absolutely. Um, Me, not so much. No, just <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, how much do I have to teach Alana today? You remember it's that uh, pushing through discomfort. No, just kidding. Yeah. So okay, um, once I, some, I always get started, I always I'm, appreciate we have some comments. So yeah, Ryan sure. says, he went and obeyed another example of someone saying yes in sacred scripture. I love the yes people reminds me of the words spoke of a priest who passed away and his funeral today. The homilist said he was a priest always that always says yes. He may not have always known what he was doing, but he said yes and did the jobs well and empowered those around him when he didn't know. He said yes to the church no matter what. And this reading reminds me of that. That's cool. And he also, Ryan also says, and this reading shows God initiating a divine human relationship, which began, began with God making promises, acting on them and always promising to be faithful to Abraham. Abram. Yeah. Yeah. And the last comment so far, uh, Father Vitalis says, obedience is a very important Christian virtue, but I have to admit that it's one of the most difficult virtues. Obedience will be, would be the submission of one's will to the will of another that makes it difficult. We have ego and that keeps making somewhat di- it somewhat difficult for us to obey. Yeah, it's true. Absolutely. Yeah. 
So have, you ever had, have you ever had pe- like a superior or somebody say no to something big? You had to like suck it up and like move on? Mm, I haven't had, no. It's the worst feeling in the world. <laughs> I believe, well, I mean, I believe you. Yeah. I have, I've had to do it. I've had to do it many times, you know, where um, like when with digital media stuff, we have, we have, we have content that we can't show we had to suck it up and just be like can't use this yeah that's hard yeah but obedience bears lots of fruit so that's yeah so that's why it's it's good to i'm not saying like stuff i said but just like ideas we had that i thought actually went great and people who are involved with it said nope we're not using it like you mean that's like hours of work and it's down the drain like yes that's exactly what we mean. I mean, we don't say it that way, but yeah. But I think that's but one the, of the things, like the reason why I think it's so important for us to talk about obedience is because A, it's not a word people want to hear. There's so many negative, like emotional connotations and like, you know, like immediate rejection, like mental rejection. If someone uses like, we should be obedient, like that's immediately mentally, you know, like, well, leaving this live stream now, you know, like, not going to listen to this. We're talking about obedience, you know, but we need to talk about it because it's one of the things that have undermined our culture. And like, is one of the big problems of the culture war is that I think the big thing is, is also is to recognize when it's clearly a case of um, with work relationships and with when it's clearly a case that there's not like a clear right or wrong. And it's just a preference. Like, you know, you come to your boss, let's say your graphic designer or whatever, you design something and the flyer is blue and he says, I want it to be red. Mm-hmm. You know, and like you put hours into it and you're like, but this is pretty awesome. Yeah. And, you're, and he's like, no, but we have to also depend on the discernment of others. Yeah. Cause we, there's discernment that we do, but there's also discernment other people do for us. And we yeah. kind of have to wait on the Lord in that way too. Yeah. So and that's, that's the thing I always hate is that, even when I, d- I don't trust my superiors or I don't trust the decision, I do, after I calm down for like an hour or two or a day or, or whatever, I do always realize that the way things are going to work out is always the best. Because um, bef- with the art of living, well, I got a lot of no's and there, there's a lot of no's before I was able to, to kind of do some of the things I wanted to do. Um, yeah. Did I ever tell you how I got into, why I got into digital media? It's actually funny. If, if it weren't for um, Bishop Burbage, I probably wouldn't have gotten into digital media because for my first assignment, I wasn't allowed to do any public speaking outside of my parish. It was very weird. It was very unusual. But the first thing the bishop said to me, he said, you're not doing any ministry outside of your parish. And then my pastor didn't want me doing any ministry inside the parish. So like I had a lot of free time wow. and, and, I, and I had this creativity and I had this hamster spin in my head. Now that hamster is still spinning in my head, but now it's like spinning out in my organization as well. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um, but yes, I had a lot of free time, a lot of evenings, a lot of, you know. So you were able to do online ministry, but you just couldn't speak. Well, yeah. Well, it was a weird loophole. I mean, I didn't ask permission, but I wasn't leaving the parish. That's true. <laughs> and I only did it on my day off. Mm. Because remember, that's the whole thing. I, for first couple of years of Art of Living Well, even now, I do most of the majority of the work on my day off. Yeah. But, but yeah, Father, let's get into the second reading. Yeah. And what Father Vitalis says, ha, 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 that's the life of a religious about having to just hear no a lot. <laughs> I know, man. Yeah, it's true. And Josh Dixon says, I have a love-hate relationship with desolation. I'm in desolation right now, and it's so hard to pray, even though intellectually I know it's critical. Mm -hmm. well what i would say to you is is one thing to consider when when i'm doing spiritual direction is if the desolation doesn't pass by normal means uh spiritual direction spiritual conversation confession is you 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 can't rule out and this is something you could attest to biological psychological things Mm -hmm. um like chemical imbalances food imbalances stuff like that yeah and, and you really stressful situations, stressful, stressful life situations can, those can two. add to it. Yep. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's where I think 
you know, so you, you got to keep trying and experimenting. Um, yeah. But. Are you ready yeah. for a second reading? Yeah, let's get in the second reading. All right. Beloved, bear your share of hardship for the gospel with the strength that comes from God. He saved us and called us to a holy life, not according to our works, but according to his own design and the grace bestowed on us in Christ Jesus before time began, but now made manifest through the appearance of our Savior Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, who destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Okay, so mm. bear your share of hardship for the gospel. Mm. Carry your cross and be obedient, even if it's hard. <laughs> and yeah. um, the, something that I, this is a great reading for me today because we're I'm learning I'm in a Pauline class, like a Pauline literature class. Mm -hmm. And, and we're talking about grace and stuff like that. And I'm trying to understand what like Jewish people thought about grace before Christ. And they didn't really have a concept of it. Um, but I love how Paul here says the grace bestowed on us in Christ before time began. So it's like yeah. the grace was there before time again, but it just wasn't the concept wasn't fully developed until Christ gave yeah. it, gave it to us as a gift. Yeah, I guess I know we talk about that. There's divine favor. Um, the, the word favor is, a, is the word for grace, gratia mm -hmm. favor. Mm -hmm. But yeah, in our theology of grace, we do talk about the old Testament precursors to it, but there is something unique about the understanding of grace in Christ right. and and it's why it's a revolution. Like it was a whole new idea of how God works and could now work in your life. Right. And, and how you could receive this gift because that charism, um, the, the gift of grace that, mm -hmm. you know, that really acted within your soul and, and, and really helped mm -hmm. gives you this power to work through. Um, Absolutely. Like, Mm -hmm. did, I, did I tell you the story? It was a funny story. I was um, I was uh, I was talking with some high schoolers. It was like my first year of priesthood, and a high schooler was like, "Yeah, I just got this like inspiration to go over to this person in class who was feeling really sad. And I found out they were depressed, and I was able to do a lot of great stuff, and that was awesome." They're kind of sharing it with the group. And I was like, "Oh, that's great. I mean, that's really the work of the Holy Spirit." And the kid was like, "What? No, no, it was me. It wasn't God. <laughs> oh. It was me." I'm like. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> let's let's back up here a second. <laughs> God no, works through you. Work through you. You know, yes. I mean, it's God, you know, God, God. But that's a concept that we need to talk about, right? <laughs> it's a concept because some people in their minds think, think that God works in like some miraculous ways a hundred percent of the time versus working through people. Right. Yeah. So, so just even having that mental concept of, of you telling him like, Oh, that's the grace of God working through you. It's like, yeah. like I didn't feel a special, you know, flow of power energy, you know? Yeah. Power. Like it's like, no, this is how this works. This is how God what, works in our lives. Well, and I think there, I mean, my, my thing, my perception was there was an ego involved that he wa he wanted to believe that he was, but it's like, it well, it's God doing it through you. And that's, that's when you grow in maturity is like you recognize, uh, actually I've thought about doing this in um, content around this. I had this weird thing that would happen in, in seminary before every single test, I'd be walking into the test and somebody would bring up something that I didn't study. Like it would always be one thing or two things. I'd be sitting there. They'd be, they'd ask me about it. I'm like, I have no idea. We would talk about it for a second. And every time it was on the test, like every time. And awesome. I, and I always aced it because we talked about it right before yeah, the, God's the grace, right? Absolutely. God's I was like, grace. amen, grace. Amen, Holy Spirit. <laughs> amen. Um, yeah. Amen. Um, but I mean, like little things like that, because I mean, I don't know if you've been, I mean, I, I mean, as I get older, um, a lot of situations I'm in, a lot of the ways things work out, it's like if things had just been an hour different or a day different or just a shift here or there, it would have been completely different. And you feel like, it's luck, mm -hmm. but obviously it's not luck. You know, right. like, I mean, what would like, for example, Tim being in my life, Tim's not here right now. He's, he left the camera running and he went out. So Tim, you out there? I don't know where he went. Sorry. But anyways, um, like 
what are the chances that me and Tim would have gotten to work together? I mean, it was just, right. it seems like coincidence, luck, how things unfold in our working relationship. Mm-hmm. But of course it's not. Right. Providence and grace. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a play. And, and this is from, um, I don't know if I remember if I said it's from second Timothy. Um, and right before the, this reading, he's, he's exhorting Tim. Paul is exhorting Timothy he says, for this reason, I remind you to stir into flame the gift of God you have through Im- the imposition of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather of power and love and self-control. So do not be ashamed of your testimony to our Lord, nor me, a prisoner for his sake. Then it says, but then bear the, the share of the harsh, hardship for the gospel. So I really like going back a little bit. It's like always good to know where you are in, in these readings. Um. I really love how he talks about the gifts that we have from God are not cowardice. Their power and, and self-control. That's really also when we go, go back into obedience, it's really about controlling yourself and listening and, and aligning your will to the will of God. And um, just allowing yourself to be able to connect to the power of God with the strength that comes from God and, and how fruitful that is in in our life in our lives as christians that's awesome absolutely good stuff man we don't have any more comments right now so i'm going to jump into the gospel yeah let's jump into the gospel tim Uh, we were talking about you okay okay oh just the the, it was god's hand that you came into my life (laughs) providence (laughs) a little awkward there (laughs) it's true i mean just how our working relationship developed Mm -hmm. yeah yeah because, I mean, even like early on, I mean, we started off in a completely different place. Yeah. It was three years yeah. ago. I think it's been more than three years now. It's more, more than three years now. Yeah. yeah you got to celebrate these anniversaries, Father. I think, I think should, like, for the Liturgy Live, I think we should have, like, a legit, like, party uh, anniversary. Well, thing. yeah, we could. But the only problem is we can't, like, get her to come here, like, we could do we could do like a, a, a Google Hangouts with the fans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something. Wear like a party hat and <laughs> <laughs> the ask us I'll questions later to life. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't I really remember when my birthday is. Oh my uh, All right. I'm terrible with now now that now we're gonna actually jump into the gospel. Because yeah, we only have a few more minutes. So from Matthew. Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with him. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate and were very much afraid. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and do not be afraid. And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus alone. They were As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Okay. You know, it's so funny. I realize we just gotten used to talking about contemplation, right? Yeah. It's kind of actually fun. (laughs) Like, it it just occurred to me, you know, because I don't know if you've you've heard this. Every now and then I'll see something on Facebook um, by writers, like, nobody ever talks about contemplation. Nobody talks about mystical union. I'm like... Not my circle, man. We talk about it all, <laughs> we the, talk time. About all the time. <laughs> all the time now. The this time. is like a regular conversation I have with parishioners, homilies, content. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's, it's so glaringly obvious, right? Mm-hmm. It relates to contemplation, seeing yeah. the glory of Christ. And it's recognizable. It's recognizable to Peter, you know, the 
typology of, of it from the time of Moses, because Christ is the new Moses. But Moses is also there. But he his face shone like the sun. Moses' face, after he goes up the mountain to speak to God, his face shone, and he had to wear a veil over his face because it, like, it was too bright for the people. And then he went up the the mountain and God revealed him himself in a way to Moses, but they went up the mountain and Jesus reveals himself yeah. to them. Right. So mm -hmm. it's like, there's all of these really great parallels to oh, yeah. how you encounter Christ on the mountain. And we could be the figurative mountain and literally in the gospel mountain, mm -hmm. but how amazing it is. And like you said, like he wants to build that. They say that this is really close to the feast of booths. Mm-hmm. Where it, so it's like I will give you a tabernacle here on the mountain, one for you Moses, one for Elijah, one for you, you know, one for yeah. Jesus, and we can tabernacle here. We can stay here. We'll we'll be here on the top of the mountain, you know, like stay here. But this is also a, really a climax in the gospel because it says, you know, the, all the not all some of the prophets say about the return of Elijah and in a, in a reoccurrence of a a Moses figure would come and yeah. and Elijah make an appearance. So it's really a Absolutely. climax. And then, you know, Jesus shows his glory. Yeah. So it's just and one thing I always point out whenever I preach on this, this was an insight I had in seminary, the transfiguration and the resurrection are private. Only those who believe experience the transfiguration and the resurrection. And that's something to keep in mind. What does the world see? The world always sees Christ crucified. Right. And it's only those who believe and die with Christ who experience the resurrection, who experience the power of the transfiguration, who come to that place of contemplation. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that. And I think that's a lesson generation after generation, because early on, like five years ago, I always, when I would hear criticisms from the world, I'd always try to, I'd always try to like feel like we needed to reform ourselves so we'd be more acceptable to the world. And and there is definitely a need for reform at times within the church, but I've come to believe now that in the world will always hate us. I mean, it's just, this is just the, the reality. Worldly people will never understand spiritual realities, things like that. I mean, you can work with it. You can bring about conversion. I'm not saying we're not, I'm not, right. I'm not I know what you mean. Yes. But, but don't be surprised when people reject the gospel right. um, for wealth, money, food, pleasure, comfort. Yeah. But also the, the, the message that converts the most is also the hardest message to give. Like preach, like Paul says, to, to only know Christ crucified and preach mm -hmm. his, you know, and proclaim his resurrection and, and just like really live that. That's hard. Yeah. And it's hard to be like this. Is a like they say, the cross is a stumbling block. The, cro the yeah. folly of the cross. Like it makes no sense why this is so powerful, but it is. And I think there's a lot of loss of trust that come in our culture and even in the church that in the grace that comes from really just focusing on that and really talking about it and talking about obedience and talking about virtues and talking about the grace of Christ, you know, like really have it be something that we're thinking about and talking about in com normal conversation yeah. and how fruitful that is and how much grace comes from just talking about it. And, and absolutely doing things for that. Absolutely. Hey, I, I want to I draw another quote um, that I think relates to this is um, there's a great line from the Torah that I love. And I think it's like Leviticus or something um, where it says, uh, God says to Moses, create the tabernacle based off of the pattern that you found on the mountain. Something to that effect. I'm, mm -hmm. This is not a verbatim quote. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't like sit down and try to memorize these passages, but I just read them so right. much. Um, but, but you, you, um, make the tabernacle, make the, the Holy of Holies, the, 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 uh, all that when they, the meeting tent and all that off of the pattern you saw on the mountain. Mm. And like, that's such a fascinating way of understanding discernment. Like in that contemplation before I was saying contemplation doesn't teach you. And I, I disregard that. And I was like, no, it kind of does. It's like that intuitive sense of God's stillness and peace that you experience in the mountaintop because what I, in my master's thesis, I call a touchstone of discernment. You taste grace. Like you have an intuitive sense of, of God's voice um, and you move with that voice. So that's the thing. Discernment doesn't always have to be like a long drawn out process. It can be an intuition, a gut, an, a divine instinct as St. Thomas Aquinas would say. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah. 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 So maybe it just doesn't teach us in the way that you were, you were using teach in a different perspective, I think. Well, they both do. They both do. I mean, they both do. I just, I'm really struck by, I can understand now St. John of the Cross where he says prefer desolate, like he doesn't say prefer desolation, but he says like, um, don't get stuck on sweetness and on. Right. Well, you train, you train your will during the desolation. Yeah. Right. It's not that you don't learn in consolation, but you, it's that real like gritty training and, and, yeah. and the work that you have to do to be able to receive in, con- in contemplation, right. In, in consolation, you get to receive that because you did the work. Um, yeah. So I think that's more of along the lines of what you were saying Absolutely. in the beginning. Um, yeah. We have a comment from Ryan and he says, and those tabernacles for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah are important from a Jewish perspective, which would have been important for Matthew's audience. Both Moses and Elijah went up a mountain where God spoke. I think Lent provides us an opportunity to theoretically climb a mountain and come closer to God through prayer, fasting, and service. Yeah. Yeah. That's the beauty also, if, if you haven't never done a retreat, the beauty of the retreat. I'm looking forward to it in May and June. I'll be doing the retreat and it's just an, it's like you step away from everything and you just need an opportunity to, to, to look at it, to think about it. Right. And right after this reading, they go down the mountain and they immediately encounter a demonic that they, that was a stubborn one that wouldn't be cast out by their regular means of Christ like giving them the power to cast out. And he says only some of these can only be cast out through prayer and fasting. Yeah, Maybe exactly. that's next week's reading and I'm just getting ahead of myself, <laughs> but, but it know. really brings curious. into uh, it. Actually, I'd be curious what's next week's reading. Well, and that's the cool thing right now is understanding the transfiguration, the context. Mm-hmm. It's one of those ones where it gets really fascinating. Cause I mean, again, Peter denies, denies the cross and there's the get behind me, Satan famous quote from St. With St. Peter, mm-hmm. let's see. Let's no, see it's wedding. One. It's a uh, woman at the well. Yeah, so, which is awesome too. Yeah. Yeah. I just, so, I just so did I didn't ruin next that. week. <laughs> I just did a talk on that for a retreat. Oh, it's so good. Uh, it's so good. Well, I, actually, you know, it's funny. Um, when I gave the talk, one thing I learned from the Protestants, I did. I do learn stuff from Protestants. <laughs> yeah. Um, is have you ever seen? Uh, I hear a lot on the radio. They they have this style where you read through a text and you stop. So as you're reading, you stop and you comment on it. So like you start at the beginning of the text, you kind of wander through the text and then you come to the conclusion, which is your main point, but there's a lot of sub points built into the narrative as you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've gotten that a lot from Protestant preaching. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the church fathers would do something similar, but it's just, we haven't, we haven't heard that kind of preaching in America in a long time. Right. Or at least and in the Catholic world. It's just a different way of presenting information. And maybe, maybe it was in seminary. I just, now as a preacher, you're kind of, I'm looking, I'm listening to mechanics. Like mm. I don't just listen to content to be edified. But isn't that what break. you do when you do Lectio Divina? It's like you, you go through each part and like, you know, I mean, as a preaching it? style. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But, but it would be preacher. like verbal, verbal yeah. Lectio Divina kind of. Yeah. In a way. ish. But you walk through it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't have any prayer requests or any other yeah. uh, comments. So thank you guys. Yeah. Uh, um, end us in prayer. Is that good? Yeah. Um, we'll pray for the focus missionaries. Um, pray, yeah. We'll pray for a few other. Uh, Father Vitalis says, please, please pray for the journey mercies on travelers for travelers this weekend. Thank Absolutely. you, Father Ian and Alana. You're welcome. Thanks. So in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. We we start off our prayer just praying for Father Vitalis for, I believe it's the journey, some folks are on a journey, um, some folks who are traveling. Um, we pray also for our, our seminarians who are on campus today and tomorrow, and for our events tonight and tomorrow, that they just might help facilitate conversion. We pray for our focused missionaries, for vagabond missionaries, for our parishes, for our families. Pray especially for the sick, the suffering. Um, there's a few people who've passed away recently for the repose of their soul and for their families. Lord, we ask all of this, and we ask you to bless all who will watch or listen to this. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Have a great Thanks week, long. everybody. Thank you. Bye, Tim. Bye. So take me to the fountain that I seek. It's welling up, it's welling up in me. Me. I feel silly trying to make up prayers myself. My mind starts to wander as I'm speaking to God. I just don't have time to pray. Do you recognize yourself in any of these statements? If so, we have a book for you. In Pray Fully, best-selling authors Michelle Fanley and Emily Jaminet share the rewards and frustrations of their own prayer journeys to create a practical guide that combines testimonies, tips, and journaling space to help you spend quality time with God. Whether you want to learn how to pray aloud in a group or stop your mind from wandering during prayer, Fanley and Jaminet have practical advice and the real-life experience to help you overcome obstacles to everyday prayer. Head over to AveMariaPress.com and use code LEARN2PRAY. That's Learn the number two, pray, to get 20% off your copy today. Looking for exceptional coffee delivered fresh to your door? We have the answer. Our friends at Grim Bean Coffee produce small batch artisan coffee using top tier coffee beans. The coffee is roasted when you order guaranteeing the freshest coffee possible. Check out Breadbox Roasts, a new line of Catholic-themed coffees available at www.grimbeancoffee.com forward slash Redbox Media. Experience coffee like never before.